evening. I hope you're well. So are many, many listeners. This is new on Netflix UK. This is an unofficial review show where we look at films and, and TV programs that have appeared on Netflix. Um, Rob, what are we going to be looking at this month? Uh, this month, Robbie, we have got uh, Da Five Bloods, the Spike Lee film, and we also have Snowpiercer and Space Force. Let's start with a clip from one of those juicy morsels. It's uh, Da Five Bloods, and here's a clip. Black GI, is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the Soul Brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. So, The Five Bloods, uh, directed by Spike Lee, who, of course, directed uh, Black Klansman recently. Um, So this is a war drama, action-y, heisty kind of film. Um, It's about four black soldiers, or uh, veterans, as it were, who fought in Vietnam, uh, going back to sort of recover the body of their fifth blood. So the the five bloods is the five soldiers. Um, And also the gold that was buried um, by their troop uh, as they were leaving so this is a film uh, that has a standout performance I would say from Delroy Lindo as Paul and he is a Trump supporting uh, sort of PTSD sufferer um, who has never really gotten over the death of that fifth blood um, who's called Stormy Norman and he's played by Chadwick Boseman who you probably know from Black Panther Um, uh, and it it sort of has this um, flashback thing. And Spike Lee filmed these flashbacks um, on um, 16mm, so the film that was around at the time. Um, But unlike uh, Martin Scorsese in uh, The Irishman last year, everyone made a big meal about the fact they used this de-aging, so they made Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci and all these actors look like they were 30 years old, or at least that was the idea. Um, and Spike Lee decides not to do that. And so he, there is a moment in this where you go into this flashback and you don't quite realise, is this the present day or is it is it the past? Because they look exactly as they do in the present day. And so it's a little bit disconcerting for a second um, as that happens. Um, what's good about this film is you're never quite sure how it's going to end. It does have a fair few twists and turns. It's not clear exactly what kind of film it is. Actually, that is, in some ways, part of the negative of this film. Um it has this sort of weird and really annoying use of patriotic music, which I think Spike Lee is using to show almost sarcastically um, the feelings that might be within these people as they go and, you know, almost like face their past and see, you know, what it's like now uh, in this place where there was all this fighting and all this war. Um, but for me there's a lot of really good stuff there's some really good amazing stuff around the history uh, of uh, black history particularly around um the kind of ideas that were very very much to the fore in the 60s and 70s as the vietnam was happening and the sort of culture and the politics of black americans in that era and it's brilliant at realizing those things and bringing you into those stories and it kind of makes you wish you'd made a documentary in a sense because you're you're, you're watching it going well i didn't know about that i mean i hadn't heard about this person um 
And they're the most interesting parts. And that's the sad part for me is that even though there are bits that you go, wow, that was shocking. I didn't realise that was going to happen. Or, oh, oh my goodness, this has happened. It's very disjointed and bitty as you're going through it. And the, even though the dialogue and the scripts are believable, the screenplay itself is so disjointed and cuts between things in a very disjointed way that it, it makes it less satisfying. Um, and unfortunately... He's not a flowing filmmaker. He doesn't make that kind of film. And his best work, you know, Black Klansman. He also did a really amazing music video for The Killers. Uh, they did a song called "Land of the Free," and there's, he did this amazing music video of um, uh, migrants from Mexico coming over the border and trying to get into the US. And it's really powerful piece of filmmaking uh, set to like uh, a song. And I've, you know, I've seen a few Spike Lee's films, but I always get the impression that although he's a great script writer he knows how to get the best out of his characters and these characters are brilliantly drawn i would say um it's the actual stitching it all together that lets him down in most cases i even felt that about black clansman which was probably his best film but i just couldn't it wasn't quite up there in the sort of pantheon of absolute greats because of the way that he makes films and it's not a criticism in a sense because he is a, a fantastic filmmaker it's, it's more like that puts me off him as a filmmaker so um it, it works. It's his timing is absolutely perfect, of course, because it's in the midst of unprecedented um, demonstrations about Black Lives Matter, and that is probably going to see. I mean, Delroy Lindo's already been talked about as a possible Best Actor Oscar winner. Um, you could also see him doing well in all the other categories next year, and I do think that might be the kind of thing that happens because he was quite close with a number of Oscars for Black Klansman, but I think this one will be the thing that that gets him over the line. Um, if you like films that give you an insight into the history of um, certain people, or if you like films that are to do with heists and to do with what they're going to do in this situation, uh, and also you're interested in Vietnam uh, and Vietnam War history and all that stuff, it's absolutely essential to watch, obviously. In terms of the feelings and the, uh, the connection that I felt to the film, I didn't feel like this was better than for instance, Black Klansman, and, or, or a number of other films that I've seen, perhaps on Vietnam War, uh, perhaps on Black History, you know, 13th by Ava DuVernay, very well worth seeing, and a number of other films, particularly Barry Jenkins films. You know, there's a number of other really good um, uh, black American uh, directors and, and actors at the moment. Uh, and so I wouldn't say, even though this will get all the hype because of its timing, this is one of the best ones. It's still worth watching. And the good thing to say about it is it's a really long film. It's two and two and a half hours, I think, or maybe two and three quarter hours. You don't really notice that, I must say. It does, even though it's disjointed, that's the thing you notice. You don't notice that the story is lagging or there's not enough content. They've got an awful lot to say and he's put an awful lot into it. And it's just that disjointedness that it just doesn't feel as satisfying as other things that I've seen. I think the big question, Rob, is what does George by Ford Muir think about it? It's a big question. Uh, you're going to tell me the answer now. I am. He is uh, someone that's written a review on IMDb, and we like to uh, trawl out and find some extreme views, uh, a 1 out of 10 review and a 10 out of 10 review. And George by Ford Muir gave it 1 out of 10. And His title for this review was Two on the Nose with Awful Dialogue. This film's intro was the best bit. It all went downhill from there. Two and a half hours of predictable plot and awful, unnatural dialogue. 
The cinematography was jarring for the wrong reasons, with a colour palette that didn't match with individual scenes. The changing aspect ratio was a nice touch, but I feel like this was an afterthought, as much as the framing felt off and was awfully wide for what felt like no reason. The editing was rather lacklustre and felt like a soap opera. I can see why this film's being praised due to its messages of inequality and awful treatment of African Americans throughout all of America's history. I would have appreciated these messages if they weren't served to me with a spoon. So he made a few similar points to you, Rob, but perhaps not quite as critical as you were. Well, I mean, it's interesting. No, the other way around. He was more critical than you. Yeah. Yes, true. Uh, I think the thing about the afterthought of the aspect ratio is actually the opposite, is that Spike Lee fought to use 60mm on the uh, the Vietnam era, you know, the uh, war era footage. Mm. And Netflix was sort of not wanting to let him do that. He, they wanted to just use pure digital. So it's actually the opposite, is he's fought to use that. It's interesting that he uses the, the, the phrase spoon-fed, that reviewer, because I didn't feel spoon-fed, frankly. I felt like all of the historical tidbits that were thrown in were nourishing. They actually gave me insight into something or someone that I hadn't heard of. Or I think, I think potentially what it did, if I'm being negative about it, was it made it, that word again, a bit jarring in that it was thrown in as if this was a documentary. Mm. And it, in a way, it stopped the flow um, of it being a drama because suddenly it jumped in with a narrator who hadn't previously been there um, or... or it kind of broke the fourth wall in a way where one of the characters would suddenly be telling you a, a fact and be addressing you rather than talking to each other. That, that I think, maybe is where it lost its flow a bit. Maybe, maybe that is where it lost its flow, but I, apart, it's weird that I'm saying that I don't like the disjointedness. That isn't the disjointedness I'm referring to. I actually don't mind if a director does that kind of callback. And he uses it in Black Huntsman as well. He calls back, calls back to something that he wants to reference. And it is, yeah, maybe it is jarring, but at the same time... Uh, it makes it just makes me want to see a documentary made by Spike Lee because I think he's he's such a talented person that I, w- I want to see what he thinks about all these issues and he's clearly got so many views about everything he's he's got he's the opinionated guy you know let's get him to make a documentary and and see what the sort of history and the uh, the um, the impact and the perspective of all the people that um, that, that you know that he wants to talk about. Um, how they've actually been impacted in history. I'm, I'm much more interested in that, in a sense, than I am in the way that he's put this film together. Well, this is a 10 out of 10 review from IMDb for Balance. Is that what Balance is to extreme views? I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah. uh, first of all, this film is not pointless, nor is it a waste of time. It's a film that not only pays homage to real-life black soldiers who were used and abused during the unjust Vietnam War, but for film historians, there's a tinge of homage to the treasure of Sierra Madre mm. when it comes to how the plot unfolds. Furthermore, for everyone complaining that the music is misused, like you, Rob, <laughs> you know nothing about the relevancy of black music in each era of American history. Because if you did, you'd know that not a single track used throughout the film was irrelevant to black reality in the Vietnam era. As far as the age discrepancies, fine, that's fair. But how many films have you seen in your life where age accuracy hasn't been on the money? As far as the acting is concerned, everyone did a fine job, especially Delroy Lindo. This is a quality product that deserves at least one viewing, and it's time to stop letting mainstream voices who are not aware 
or sensitive that other cultures dictate what deserves to be seen and what doesn't. I think the music you were referring to was the was different. I think he was. Yeah. This guy's referring to the Marvin Gaye music, I would think. Yeah, and I'm. I'm. I'm it's a massive um, thing that I've missed from my review there. In a sense, is that he, you know, his songs, the Marvin Gaye songs, are again a thread that runs through this film, and actually really do give it an enriching sense that they show as 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 that reviewer says uh, the experience and the perspective of that era when everyone was listening to Marvin Gaye um and it's not that yeah as you say it's not that I'm referring to I'm referring to the sort of weird sort of patriotic uh, bombastic music that's overlaid over this di- this rich dialogue they're, they're engaging in these interesting conversations and you're constantly going why do I have to listen to this annoying music in the background all the time uh, it doesn't make sense to me um but when when the Marvin Gaye songs come on, I mean, some of them are amazing. I mean, there's one scene with Delroy Linde where it's you know not a good scene for him, and it's very powerful the way that 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 song is used, and it's you know it's sort of religious themes and the way that he, yeah, the way that he's come to terms with something um, without giving anything away. Um, yeah, it's, it's it, I mean Delroy Lindo deserves all the credit he gets to be honest. It's an incredible performance, yeah. I mean, I think I think for me, I, I was. I was expecting a war film um, and I don't really like war films that much. And so I was quite pleasantly surprised when it started with this slight, with this quite nice uh, premise from the start mm. and it kind of drew me in. I was, I was really enjoying it. Um, and for me, it was much more interesting than a, than a war film, but then it, it, it turned into a bit of a sort of um, kind of adventures by numbers sort of thing and yeah. it, for me it started to go downhill a bit when Jean Reno turned up is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, he was sort of this slightly iffy character you couldn't work out if he was a goodie or a baddie sort of thing and um, it at that point it became a bit a bit of a caper Yeah. and I didn't really want a caper um, I mean it wasn't really the tone hadn't been set for that um, and so it, you then had a few of these sort of set pieces that I felt I'd seen before in films. Um, it, it kept my attention, which was impressive considering the length of the film. But I just personally, I would have cut half an hour out of it. But I always say that. Yeah, but I think I think I think you're right um, that it does take a, a, a turn. Um, I mean, other people might be looking for something more like that. I mean, when it when a certain scene happens, which is quite shocking. Um, which has kind of been telegraphed by the context um, leading up to it. I, I feel like that was the point because it was so telegraphed what was going to happen. I mean, it's shocking in the extent of what it shows and what what it it it, it, it is. I mean, it's so difficult to do this without spoiling, but I, I I just think that for me, and yeah, it was the sort of that was the point where it turned from a. It, it was kind of a caper at that point, and then it went back to being, oh, this is quite serious. And it, it, it just, it, it was so uneven, the way it, the plot, the plot played out, I felt, that it was difficult to kind of believe, weirdly. Like, I I, I, want, I, I think I was very, I believed the characters, but I didn't believe the situations that he'd placed them in. Yes, I think that's a nice summary. So, 14,858 people have voted on IMDb and what is the average score that they gave this film Rob full disclosure Rob I, I haven't looked at it in the last few days but I did see it mm. uh, I did see it a week or so ago I admire your honesty Rob let's try and put that aside for the purposes of a device within the 
program which kind of keeps it flowing. Um, <laughs> what uh, if you didn't, if you hadn't looked at it, what would you have guessed? Are you able to distance yourself from your own dishonesty? No. <laughs> um, I think I would have thought it would be in the eights. Like, I, oh, okay. Which I, I know it isn't. I know it's lower than that. And I think I'll be honest with you. When I saw that, I was like, well, that's because there's a lot of people who don't want a black filmmaker to succeed. And I hate to say it that way, but I think that's true. I think there's a lot of people who would have just gone, oh, it's Spike Lee, Ugh. mark it down, which I think is awful. Um, but it might not be it. I mean, it might be just people have watched it and gone, oh, that's disjointed like I have. Um, but I think, I think I'd think i give it in the eights. I, I would have thought it would be in the eights, but I know it's about six point something. Yeah, 6.7. Yeah. So below the... Um the threshold of a film that I'll watch because normally it's a seven plus is what I'll watch and this is a rom-com which is six and a half plus but this isn't a rom-com um I, yeah, what, what I do mean, you put that down to though because like it does seem strange I mean I mean I, I, that's my first thought was that's racist people and that's terrible I I, I, I think my I I wouldn't personally leap to that conclusion but I I think it's probably a lack of focus maybe of what the film is Maybe. Maybe that, that's what it is. Uh, is it, so, so it might be that people know. did did have the same thought as you. Oh, this is a war film. Uh, it's, it's a Vietnam war film, and then it turns into a caper. Or it turns into a comedy of sorts, or a drama of sorts, and then a caper. And they're like, and I think back into a more yeah serious sort of thing. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Probably a bit of everything, really. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's uh, go on to the second thing. Uh, we're going to be looking at. Um, which is the TV version, TV series, of Snowpiercer, and here's a clip. Attention all passengers. Wilford Industries wishes you good morning. Mr. Wilford would like to address the rumors of disturbances in the tale. Let me assure you, your security is our highest priority. Order will be restored. Snowpiercer. So this is based all the way back on a French graphic novel called Le Transpersonnage, and that was published in 1982. Um, it's more recently been retitled as The Escape, and effectively that's what the film is about. It's about people who have escaped from an apocalyptic situation into a train that has a thousand and one cars, all of which we will presumably get to see as the series progresses. It's also been adapted, as you just referenced, into a 2013 film, which is available on a rival service, Amazon Prime, um, director, uh, directed by uh, Bong Joon-ho, who we all know as the director of Parasite, um, which was sort of this last year's Best Picture winner at the Oscars. So there's a little bit of backstory there. Um, the actual film has not been released in UK cinemas it never was and it start, it's only appeared online so it's interesting that he's such a successful director but yet he couldn't get that shown and exhibited for some reason in the UK so the premise is the same as the film effectively a number of people who um, are guided by this guy called uh, Wilton I can't remember what his first name is but Wilford sorry not Wilton Wilford uh, who has this company called Wilford Industries who have created this track that is laid all the way around the planet and what essentially has happened is due to climate change, the governments of the world went back the other way and said, oh, we need to cool it down. We need to cool it down. And so they've frozen uh, the planet. And so it's uh, impossible to leave the train. The train barrels on around this global 
train network. Um, and the way the train is structured is you have three classes at the front, but then there's also a further class called the tail at the back, and that's made up of people who literally aren't given rights um, because they have stolen onto the train uh, knowing that it's going, but it's obviously just been sold to people who can afford it who occupy the first three classes of the train. And that's essentially what this series is emphasising. It's talking about class, which is quite refreshing uh, in a sense. Um, the film very, you know, obviously has a limited runtime and so very quickly gets you into the mindset of the tail wants to get to the front of the train. Uh, with the series, um, it's obviously going to be a bit of a slower process of the tail making their way forward through the train and, as it were, starting this revolution, this sort of class revolution that will mean that everyone can get along. And obviously that does result in a lot of violence and a lot of bloodiness, um, which we haven't seen so far. And I should say that we're only up to, as we're recording this, up to episode five, because it's being released as a limited series once a week. So we're only up to episode five, and I think there's going to be ten of them. So we can only talk about the first five episodes. Um, the difference with the series is that uh, a character called Leighton, played by Dabby Diggs, who you probably might know through Blind Spotting, uh, which is a film that came out recently, it was quite good. Um, it sort of adds a crime genre to the list of genres that it's covering. So it's covering science fiction, action, thriller, and this political allegory that I was talking about. Um, so Davy Diggs is one of the tailies, and he's um, commissioned by the front of the train by Jennifer Connolly's character, um, who is essentially the sort of head of the train, uh, standing in for uh, Mr. Wilford, who is mysteriously not around. And he's commissioned by her to sort out some murders that have happened or... Um, yeah, recently happened further up the train. So that's the premise, is, is that he's the sort of gumshoe coming in. So it's a, a sort of crime uh, homicide investigation that he starts doing. And she is very good, Jennifer Connolly, um, as the sort of well-suited, um, pristine, very formal, very on top of things, um, sort of head baddie, as it were. Um, the preposterousness of the situation is quite hard to get past. Um, it's sort of very difficult to, to, to sustain the sort of disbelief that you have over the, over the series. It's much easier when you're watching a film because you can just go, all right, they're on a train barreling around. Oh, and this is the next thing that's happening. It, it moves you on quickly. This is going to be much more slow moving. And with that, it does lose something. And the characters, frankly, are not particularly well drawn or compelling. Uh, the concept is, is, is the thing that kept me interested. And I speak as someone who was a big fan of the film. I really liked what it did, even though it's a preposterous idea. Obviously, you couldn't keep a train going on around. The idea in this is that it's a perpetual motion engine and that keeps it all going. But it, there are good bits. There are good bits, but I just think it wasn't really necessary to make this into a series. It wasn't calling out for a series. And there's been a number of these. Like I've, I've noticed recently that 12 Monkeys, which is like a classic, another classic sci-fi film um, with Bruce Willis, uh, directed by Terry Gilliam, they made that into a series. And I thought, well, why are you making that into a series? It's, it doesn't have the legs to make into a series. The story is perfect for film format. And I think that's what we're seeing more and more is that people are seeing the bankability of a name, like a, a title in the film genre, in a sort of film area, and they're thinking, we can make that bigger, we can make that better. And usually, you probably can't because the ideas don't stretch far enough. In this case, it might go a bit further I, i'm optimistic that it, it will have more interesting stuff around class in it but so far it hasn't quite justified its existence well okay it sounds like you have a party in the background rob why wasn't i invited yeah yeah there's stuff going on there's some people i don't, there. I don't mind <laughs> this is what podcasts are all about it's like you know a bit of chit chat in the background i like i like the this 
There's one I listened to where they were clearly recording it in some sort of nightclub or something, and there's sort of some thumping noises in the background. <laughs> it's not quite that. I, I, I'm enjoying it. It, it. it makes it sound a bit more interesting. So, I mean, you told me about this film a while ago and tried to get me to watch it, and I sort of wish I I had watched it. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's a nice premise, but I just sort of... For me, there's so many good dramas around now. Yeah. And I watched the first episode of this, and I just thought, I don't really... It's not really grabbed me enough. No, no, yeah, I agree. It's not quite classily done enough. It's... it's, Yeah. It it was a bit... It reminded me a little bit of... um, What's that zombie thing where everyone's constantly stabbing people in the head? The very popular one. Shaun of the Dead? No, no, not a comedy. What? The um, which one? The the really big zombie TV series, The Walking Dead. The Walking That's Dead. The yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it reminded me a little bit of that in terms of its um its tone, and it was a little bit overacted. I felt. Yeah. It didn't have a lot of subtlety to it. Um. Okay, the one out of ten review. Who decided making this a cop procedural would be a good idea? That's the title of the review from Phil's Rim. I don't know if that's a very good name, Phil. <laughs> uh, I have never written a review before, but felt compelled enough to express my negative thoughts on this series. First episode was okay. I stopped watching the second episode after 15 minutes. Enough is enough. I don't need another stupid hackneyed major TV network cop detective procedural show who even decided this would be a good twist on the movie highly predictable the acting is mediocre I don't feel for any of them zero connection or empathy do better scathing review well I mean right, te- I, I mean you can't really say much about that you just didn't like it I mean yeah uh, Moomin77 meanwhile responded almost directly to that review by saying it's not a detective drama you idiots one of the main characters playing a tech detective is just a device to drive the plot, which is about the train and the different classes of passengers, which provides the subtext of our society in general. So far, I think this adaptation is much, much better than the movie, which was very bad in my opinion. Uh, the TV version of the story feels like it has room to breathe and have some nuance and layers, which the movie didn't do because they spent too much time on the fighting scenes. So that didn't allow enough for the story to grow past the basic contrived points. Hopefully the TV series will go more in-depth and be more thought-provoking than the movie. So far, so good. Well, I don't, I don't think it's genuinely been that thought-provoking. I mean, I could argue that if, if I was trying to be a sci-fi, sci-fi, sci-fi fanboy, which I kind of am, I would very much argue that. But I just don't think on the five episodes I've seen so far... That it's it's got that. There's one episode where there's a sort of court case tribunal in in this in this context, and it's just not very well done. It's just not. I mean, you'd expect that to be a big high drama moment, and it's just done really poorly. And you just think you've missed a trick here. You really have. It sounds to me, Rob, that your thought was provoked when you watched the film, and it's already been provoked. So this can't provoke it again. In a way, yes, it's it is it's a surprisingly flat premise conceptually. Like I would expect there to be a lot more you could do with this premise, but they seem to not be able to do that. And actually, in a film, they probably didn't use the premise enough. Um, it's a really interesting premise. This idea that you've got like the people who are working class at the back, the elites at the front, and then you have to fight your way through the train to get to the front. And then what happens? 
Um, but you, you can't build that tension when you've got a ten episode series. It just it just it just can't happen. So, the big question, Rob: the average score on IMDb. Um, I, it's it's a weird one. I kind of think they might be quite high because of the sci-fi fanboy element of IMDb. So I'm going to say seven point three. The actual answer was six point three. It's a wow. pretty low score. Yeah, so that's that's bombed really, then, hasn't it? If, if if the sci-fi fanboys can't can't save it, then no one can. No. Um, and we always say that TV scores higher. Yeah, it does. Films, it so does. We... It does. And I think it. it I mean, it's kind. It's kind of right that it's not as high as the Five Bloods because the Five Bloods is better. Um. But yeah. Someone just say hi, bro. They did, yeah. They're all leaving. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that greatly. Okay, well, hopefully, I mean, hopefully that'll get picked up on the recording. No, no, I, I, it did, and I, I think this is a new feature. It, it's called. It's called Rob does reviews whilst people say hello and goodbye to him. <laughs> oh, by the way, if anyone's that's a good idea. If anyone's listening, they have all remained socially distanced throughout this whole time. They were in our back garden. There, there's been no breaking of any any rules or anything Not like quite that. Right, right, too. <laughs> yeah. One one of our one of our two listeners might call uh, you know, call the police. Call Matt Hancock. Tell us off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not doing anything about it. Anyway. Let's uh, move on to the final. Um, I was going to think of some strange euphemism. No, let's move on to the the final chapter in this bizarre episode of uh, New on Netflix UK. We're going to look at Space Force, and here is a clip. The president is creating a new branch in the United States military, Space Force, <laughs> which Mark will run. I don't. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> It has always been my dream to start something from the ground up. But space is hard. May I suggest that that become the new Space Force motto? Space Force, the final frontier, or some or words to that effect. So this is a comedy series which was created by Greg Daniels and, of course, Steve Carell, who stars in it, as a four-star general who gets commissioned to become, basically, the head of the Space Force, which... Um, is perhaps the most pro- so this is perhaps the most prominent comedy that has appeared directly responding to and lampooning the Trump era because um, the US is the only country in the world with a space force uh, like an air force but in space um, and there is a bit of like uh, joking about the sort of space force air force rivalry in this show um, so yeah so the premise is that he's a very straight guy Steve Carell uh, and uh, he is paired with a uh, scientific advisor played by John Malkovich Quite, quite brilliantly, I think. Um, I really have a lot of time for John Malkovich. Whatever he's in, I'm going to watch it. And interestingly, I'm not one of those people who knew about him before being John Malkovich. That was the introduction. But then I realised, oh, okay, he's actually an actor. Uh, he's in other things. Um, so, yeah, so they... He, um, him and Steve Carell and his family uh, have been moved from their home in Washington, D.C. Uh, the Pentagon to be out in the sticks in Colorado, um, in the countryside. And he's got a teenage daughter and he's got a wife. Uh, weirdly, and maybe you can help me here, Rob. He has a wife who, when they're in D.C., is not in jail. And then when they get to Colorado a year later, uh, it flashes forward. She is in jail. But yet I don't think they ever explain why she's gone to jail. And I thought all, no. I thought all the way through this, all 10 episodes thinking, 
this is going to be like a thing at the end. This is going to be like why she went to jail. There's going to be an episode of why she went to jail. But no, they haven't. They haven't bothered to explain it. And I, I just don't understand that. I don't understand how you can go through 10 episodes of a, a show and not explain what has happened to a main character. It's bizarre. Anyway, um, I think that's just a setup so that he can have romantic uh, devices with uh, liaisons with anyone else. Anyway, um, this is a very patchy show, I think it's fair to say. So I think it starts off on a sort of let's be farcical with the first few episodes. And they have some... You know, stuff about chimps in space and that kind of gubbins, you know, some, some, some sort of like stuff to try and get people to laugh, which is vaguely funny and it kind of works. But it kind of attempts to kind of actually back up the idea that the US should have a space force because um, it has this weird bit where he goes to testify before a Senate committee or something or a, a committee of Congress. And then he has these like fake AOC and Nancy Pelosi figures who who ask him questions about a $10,000 tangerine and how much it takes, how much money it takes to send something into space. And then he has this weird, like, serious moment where he's defending uh, American weaponizing space or something. He's, he's going, Surely you created this to lampoon the idea of a space force, not to uh, not to sort of back it up. But anyway, um, once you get past that, you kind of... I kind of got into it more as it went on. I think John Malkovich made it because he has such a good way of putting a line across that is witty. Um, it's not laugh out loud funny necessarily, but it's just comforting and reassuring in his style. Um, his delivery is just so good. Um, I wouldn't say it's really a comedy. And there's been a lot of... I've read a few other reviews of this and people have been saying, well, it's not funny. There aren't jokes, you know. It's not. I kind of would argue it doesn't really matter that much with this. I'm, not sh- I'm sure it's... It's maybe just me, but I think it's more of a sort of dramedy. So it's mainly focused on the conflict between the father and his daughter and uh, the conflict between the father and the people that he works with. And there is a little level of farce to all of that. But mostly it's a little bit of witticism um, with with that dramedy behind it. Um, and I think it's got good supporting performances it's from Diana Silvers and Tawny Newsom. There's one who is the female captain of uh, that that, that ferries um, the general around and also his daughter and they sort of form a relationship and they talk to each other and that's quite well done I think I don't have any hate for it I don't think that the world is worse because they've created this I think in some ways it's better because it's trying to show how silly some levels of government are and it's doing it in a very subtle way and in a not altogether funny way but it's trying and it's Steve Carell is incredibly bankable as the kind of person. This is the thing that I think he does best, and I'll, I'll end with this. Is the thing I think he does best is his noises. Um, he's very good at sort of. He did it in The Office brilliantly, and he does it in numerous of the films, like Forty uh, Year Old Virginie. Brilliant in that is that he responds to things in a way that is funny, and it's not laugh out loud funny, and it's not particularly jokey, but it gets me through it, and it makes me keep watching. And I think that this is a qualified success in that regard. Just to find a qualified success for me, Rob, when people say that, I'm never quite sure what they mean. Do they mean a success with caveats? Yes, I just mean that I wouldn't really mind that much if this was the only series. But again, if there was another series of it, I might put it on because I kind of... And also, there are a couple of things, just to say, Rob, there are a couple of things that are particularly personal to me. For instance, it's set in Colorado, which is where my mum was from, and also the daughter 
is called Erin, which is the name of my daughter. So it's got mm. two little things that kind of made me go, oh, I, I quite like this because of that. Um, but but also, I just, I just, I didn't have anything, I didn't feel like I needed to hate it. I didn't feel like there was anything that made me go, why have you made this? There was a study done a while ago, wasn't there, that found that if, if there's a hurricane you're more likely to donate to the Hurricane Relief if it starts with the same letter as your own name. Did you ever hear that? I didn't hear that, but that is it's fascinating. It's about, about bias, really, that you don't realise you're being biased, and, yeah. and you are. Unconscious bias. And it sounds bias, to me yeah. like this, yeah, the fact that the character's got the same name as your daughter and it's set in the same place as your <laughs> mum's from has swayed you and added another half point on your IMDb rating. I, I think that's definitely the case. And I'm, I'm, I'll openly admit that. And I think, but then I think we all bring our own lives to watching things, don't we? It's not like we just could just like put those to one side. I think that's important. Um, but I, I do, I do think it's the, it's the two main characters. I, I like Steve Carell and I like John Malkovich and I'm interested in their relationship as it goes on through this thing. And that's the thing that keeps it going for me. I, I can see why people don't like it, but at the same time, I don't have any hate for it, so. Well, let's see what Cascavia Alessandro said on IMDb. I expected more from Greg Daniels and Steve Carell. The main problem with this show, which Rob says isn't a problem, um, is just that it's not funny. They put too much money on the cast and on the production, but they completely forgot the first focus should be to make it funny. I also think that Greg Daniels and Steve Carell wanted to make something as far as possible from The Office, but they failed miserably. Maybe if they made it mockumentary style, it would have been funnier. Personally, I think I've seen enough mockumentary style yeah, stuff now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that that might have made it funnier for a certain clientele of people who really love those kind of comedies. Well, but... for a while, it would have made it funnier for a little while, but I just think it it wouldn't have stood out in any way, really. I don't... It might have been a safer bank. It might have been a banker for them, but I'm not sure it would have been yeah. artistically worth it. I don't think it was very politically savvy this for this production because I say that because I do think that the there's sort of caricatures of AOC and Pelosi. I mean the caricature of AOC. Oh, she's really excitable and she's really, stu- but then they sort of make her look stupid in it, and you're like, well, but she's actually a really good politician. It's like you can't. No one from any perspective can look at AOC and see, AOC and say she's not a really interesting and uh, exciting politician. Like I I don't understand why you would get into that stuff if you weren't prepared to sort of either take it on properly or properly satirise it. And they don't do enough of that in that, in this. So that, I mean, just, just pretend for a second that I don't know what you mean when you say AOC. Oh, sorry. Um, Alessandro uh, Ocasio-Cortez, she's a incredibly um, charismatic, I would say, um, congresswoman from New York who many people think will be the first woman president. Um, oh, OK. I know who Nancy Pelosi is. I'm not a, com- a complete... Uh whatever the word is but um okay thank you for bringing me in um ontario warrior has said it's an absolute masterpiece i loved the office space force for me is the office but way better the show from episode one is entertaining all the characters feel real and you find yourself caring about them most tv shows and movies do an awful job accurately representing the military the way service members act and the uniforms and the customs of the military the writers and directors did plenty of research, though, because they hit everything on the head. Not just the nail, but everything on the head. I can't wait for the <laughs> second season of this show. And it's not for everyone, but I feel that most people will enjoy this show. Now, on this topic of uh, his wife being in jail, 
I've, I watched the first three episodes, and I, my interest sort of waned at, at that point. Yeah. My hunch, I thought this is an an interesting uh, thing they're teasing out because it's going to give it gave me a reason to keep watching. Oh, I wonder why she's in jail, which was obviously the idea. But I think from what you're saying, it may be more like one of these ongoing jokes. If you remember Malcolm in the Middle, it it had this ongoing joke where they never said Malcolm's surname, um, apart from in the very, very first episode, it's written on a badge or something. Um, and similarly, <laughs> there, there was a um, there was a Tim Allen comedy um, about him being a DIY man or something. And home, never... imp- home improvement. Home improvement. That's it. Now, what was the thing with his neighbour? You didn't ever see his neighbour. Was that it? I can't remember. You would always go and chat to his neighbour over the fence, but you'd never see the neighbour. You'd sort of see the top of his head, but never see him. So I wonder if it's like that. It's kind of a hanging, ongoing joke that that they don't ever explain this thing. Maybe that's it, yeah. It has to be that, because otherwise, how could you write an entire... I mean, it frustrated me, because I got to the 10th episode, and I was like, what, what, uh, uh, you're going to explain it? Yeah, yeah. Um, It seems too big a thing to hang over. I mean, those things are quite subtle, aren't they? But I mean, she's a bit part character, but that's only because she's in prison because she, obviously she can't be in it very much. But she's no, she's in it a fair amount. She's in there's one episode where he goes for a conjugal visit and stuff, and you just like you, you can't not go into this. How can you not go into this? Anyway, yeah, it must be that. It must be that. I can't think of anything else. Maybe it needs a spin-off. Oh god, um, not another spin-off. Okay, so um, <laughs> I mean, for me, it just. I don't know, really. It, it was sort of interesting, but it just wasn't funny enough. And again, it's this yeah. problem of there being so much around now that you can watch. And it's so easy to find stuff that from the archives. You know, there are so many good things that I've never got around to watching that you hear about. Mm. That something has to be so good so instantly to keep to keep your attention. And it's, it's hard work for, because when you look at all the great comedies through the years, generally the first season was not that good like, you know, or, or that's often yeah. the case like the first series of Blackadder was, was really not very good at all but you know they stuck with it and it got better and better and I sort of feel a bit sorry for someone trying to make something like this that has to be instantly amazing otherwise the, that's it they're done and there's, there's no more of it so I, I'm part of the problem really I should have been giving it more but I've got a great list of things I want to watch and it, it just didn't pull me in enough really the, the other thing I didn't get wrong maybe you can explain this to me space travel is exciting and glamorous and you know I will watch rockets launching yeah. and things like that when they're on but I got the impression in this that it's a bit of a joke that like oh you you're a spaceman you work you know you're like an airman but you're you work for space force you're a spaceman so why is it a, a big joke that they've got this space force is it because it's military rather than exploration yes uh, but uh, yes it is but it's uh, yes that's the thing and it's that they're trying to lamp in this is what i'm saying about it not being sharp enough in its satire is it's trying to satirize the idea that trump introduces a space force because he wants to militarize space but it doesn't have the the, the you know, cojones to actually follow through with that. And so it's constantly ribbing like people who want to be space people. But yet, as the series goes on, someone then does end up, you know, without giving it away, they do end up going into space, some of them. And it just treats that normally. And I just, 
Yeah, it doesn't quite work in that regard. I think it needs to have a real think about what it is going to be if it's going to have a second series and whether it's going to be a sort of tight character-led comedy kind of very dramatically led, which is what it sort of turns into towards the end of the series, this first series, or whether it's going to go all out and be all splashy and and talk about the ridiculousness of trying to militarise space because that is a very heavy political issue that's very hard to do well in a comedy. So, you know, you've got... You've got a really, really fine line to to get it to be relevant and 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 satirical because it, it isn't really satirical, frankly. I think the point at which it lost me was there was an episode where they were doing this experiment with what's it like to live in a confined space for a long time, and one of the people involved in it had dropped out, and so they said we need someone else to step in and see what it's like and see if they can cope with that isolation for a a short amount of time and Steve Carell said I'll do it and it was a bit like sort of oh here comes a, a wacky side piece here comes a sort of funny setup for him to be part of but it and I just yeah. I just thought I don't know do I really want to see this it doesn't feel like it's moving the series forwards it seems no. like it's just a silly set piece well that was the thing is that in the first few episodes it's wacky and then for some reason like halfway through they go oh, this isn't working, is it? We can't be farcical all the way through. We better become a bit more dramedy. And as as I say, it, it becomes more of a dramedy from that point onwards. And you're just like, well, why did you do all those silly farcical ones to start with if you were going to go in a completely different direction? It doesn't, it's again, disjointed. It doesn't make sense as a whole, but there you Perhaps go. it was originally written as six episodes and they decided to make it 10 or something. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Let's not speculate forevermore. Um, what um, score, Rob, are you going to guess the... People of IMDb have given this as an average. Um, I can't imagine it's that high, to be honest. I think even IMDb... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm being very patronised towards IMDb users. But I... Even IMDb. Even the morons on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they will probably give it 6.2 again, something like that. 6.9. Right, yeah, well... Just a Just bit below, below, the threshold. below, below yeah. acceptable. Then, yeah. Uh. Um, okay. Before we move on, move on, Rob, you may have noticed I hadn't written any poems about the. Um, yeah, yeah. What's, we were discussing what's this time? That, what's all that about? Um, what's going on? I've got some good news for you. Okay. I've written a, I've written a poem, kind of encompassing the, the tonal mood of this episode. I haven't had time to add any, any lines about visitors saying hello to you halfway through, but I'll see if I can think of something. <laughs> Right. Rob, over the months, I've got a lot to thank you for. You've picked out some gems that have left me wanting more. Without you, I'd never have watched The Last Dance. Inside number nine, I wouldn't have given a chance. Mind Hunter, Two Popes, Tiger King 2, Uncut Gems, Brooklyn 99, to name just a few. But this month, I'm afraid just wasn't the same. It wasn't appalling, it was just a bit tame. So I ask with trepidation for your humble views, for next month's viewings, what shall we choose? <laughs> oh, it's Robbie, it's been wonderful the last few months. I, I do think you're completely correct that we've chosen three very average things this month. Um, and it's difficult to choose between them, to be honest, about which is my favourite. Um, right, uh, you wonder what's on happening next month, then, do you? That's the idea, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, that was what the poem was for. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, Thanks for listening. Yeah. 
I was listening. I just, you know, wanted to say something more things. Uh, next month, we're going to have Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Five Saga? Fire Saga! Not five, I can't read my own writing. Let me do that again. Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga, which is a film I'm not, starring... I'm not editing that, I'm leaving that. <laughs> yeah, fair uh, which If is... I start trying to edit this episode, I'm going to just get nowhere. Yeah, no, it's going to be mad. Um, Will Ferrell and um, I think Anne Hathaway, is it? No, Rachel McAdams. Um, star as uh, some Eurovision hopefuls, uh, which could be quite funny. Uh, we've also got season three of Dark, which is a German science fiction television series. And then we've got Rick and Morty season four, which I think everyone has heard of. And by the way, well done earlier for using the word cojones, which I haven't <laughs> heard used for quite some time, really. Well, I was going to say a different word, but I thought, is that okay? Is that suitable? Yeah. I'm not even sure... Really, if that's the word, I, I think I, I think you might. I, don't know, I thought it was something slightly different. I thought it was like kahunas or something like that. <laughs> this is this is getting a bit uh, close to the the bird song bone. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, I think we I think we're done. So there's there's nobody to to thank because nobody helps us. I should probably tell. But thanks to the person who shouted in the background. Take advice for Rob in a cheery way because I enjoyed that. <laughs> no, anyone else, uh, no one else to thank, so I'll just say thank you uh, if you've listened. That's, that's enough. Thanks very much and uh, goodbye. Goodbye.